0: Because it's not like go buy a book and say this is how you make an online game that scales to like a million players or something like that. That book, as far as I know, doesn't exist yet. What has been sent to me from players? Okay, all this stuff, movement orders, shooting orders, I opened my inventory, I did this, I did that. You still need to process it. You need to basically, every single person that has been accused to be cheated by a software needs to be screened by
1: someone. Welcome back to another Engon podcast. Yes, we've been gone a while, we've been getting ready for the release of The Division 2, but it's really given us some time to think about what we want from this series in the coming year. And I think we've figured it out. Today, you're going to hear from Björn Lindberg, The Division 2's online technical director about the online infrastructure for the game. And while that may not sound incredibly sexy to some, I can assure you that the conversation on tick rates and such like will convince you otherwise. On that note, here's what I want to do going forward. I think the insight that we can provide straight from the developers on topics that they know so much about is clearly our strong suit. On this podcast, I want to ask all of the questions that I don't know the answer to and see where that leads us. And if there's something in particular you want us to investigate, whether that's the intricacies of screen space reflections, modern art pipelines, and anything in between, then we'll make sure that Engon have you covered. Hit us up on our Twitter, at Engon Gaming, or you can reach me at Hamish Bode to let me know all of your brightest ideas. I would love to hear from you. Okay, that's enough for me. And I know I've been promising that we'd get a podcast on this topic for a very, very long time. So let's get right to it. Enjoy. Good morning, Bjorn. How are things with you? I'm fine,
0: thank you. How are you, Amish? I'm
1: pretty. I'm pretty good. I'm. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited about this podcast because yeah. it's been one that we've wanted to do for such a long time. I know that back when the Division One was, you know, going live, and we ha- had had mm-hmm. a lot of. Well, let's be honest. There were some things that didn't go quite as people expected, or like uh, we were talking about just before recording yeah. this podcast, a lot of misconceptions. And I think yeah. um, it's time to. Talk about some of those so today uh, we're gonna i guess try and start at the beginning of the rabbit hole and go as deep as we can and and see where we end up does that sound okay with you
0: sure all right <laughs> shoot away <wait>, i don't <laughs> have like a, a load of complicated questions so i'm gonna try to answer them as well wow. as i can but Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of misconceptions. And also because it's very technical. And different companies solve the problems in different ways. You don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have one way of solving all online problems. Just because that game did it like that doesn't mean we would do it like that, necessarily.
1: Sure. I mean, obviously, there's got to be unique solutions for unique oh, yeah, problems,
0: certainly. right? And in a particular, in a such space, because it's not like go buy a book and say, this is how you make online game that scales to like a million players or something sure. like that. That book, as far as I know, doesn't exist yet.
1: Be a good book to have.
0: It would be Nice. But on the, on the other hand, if you read it, you would also say, oh, I don't agree with that. And then you would do something else. So it's still going to break from the mold at some point.
1: Exactly. Um, so <laughs> I kind of wanted to start at what I think is the biggest either misconception or part mm. of the information that I think is uh key to solving the puzzle of how the online infrastructure is put together and that is the whole difference between client side and server side data how, data yeah. yeah how would you explain that to someone who has never heard either those terms or yeah. uh, has any knowledge of those things
0: we can put it like this so uh when you play The Division and a lot of other online games, you, you, mm-hmm. you, you're running a, 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 your PC or Xbox client, it's essentially the same software, it's just like re- refitted, to, or PS4 doesn't really matter, it's like essentially the same software, and you connect connected to a server somewhere. Mm-hmm. And on that server, in, in most of the time you're going to spend it on a game server, and that game server is going to essentially run a simulation of the game at some fidelity. Kind of coarse grained, not necessarily with all the detail you would see. It doesn't certainly doesn't know about like you know a little paper cup on the ground, but it knows roughly what the like you know uh, the infrastructure looks like. What's what's, your, uh, what's all the, where are all the houses and cars and the things you can't walk into and that kind of thing. It knows about these things. It knows about your enemies you're fighting. If you have like you know cleaners or whatever or rioters or something like that, it will know about these as well. It will certainly know about other players. So the data you have on the server is somewhat different from what you see on the client. On the client, you have much more fidelity because you, you don't want to, if, if you were to represent what the server looks like, you would essentially see dots and boxes moving around.
1: Yeah, kind I mean, of. why would you render all of the detail? that it wouldn't Yeah, you, make, you don't it need all that sure.
0: stuff to run gameplay, basically. So there's just all right there, you have a difference. The, the other big difference is that the game server is an authority in the sense that it decides what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, it has a turret on your save game, you cannot say, you could in principle tell your client, like, I have one million med packs or I have unfin- infinite ammo, mm-hmm. the server would say, you say that, but I know better. You don't have infinite mm. packs or infinite ammo, or cetera, right? So it is an authority on this. So this is kind of the server data. It's authoritative, and it decides what goes, basically. Mm-hmm. In particular, for instance, and we can take an example that a lot of people have asked about. And one is like, I shot that guy, but it didn't seem like it had any effect.
1: Sure. Are we talking about hitboxes? boxes or hit boxes? Okay.
0: For for instance, so what the server does here, it has a hitbox, which is basically it looks kind of like a Minecraft character, but like it's very. I mean, if you look at your character in game, it has like you can see fingers and arms, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like cloth uh, stuff like that. The server's version of that is more like a Minecraft character. It's like a big box for your for your body, and there's like a couple of boxes for your arms and one for your head, and one a couple for your legs, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's enough to figure out if you shot someone if you hit someone with reasonable accuracy. Okay. And what the game server is going to do, since you're on a network here, when I shoot something, you're going to basically send a message to the game server, I'm going to fire a bullet like so, this direction, sure. this, this kind of ammunition, whatever, right? I'm using this gun, basically. And the server is going to receive that at some time later in the future say 50 milliseconds later the is gonna look at this message okay you shot someone you did it 50 milliseconds ago i'm already past that point in my internal simulation but i have stored the position and all the boxes for all the other players in 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 some history which goes back so so much basically so i'm gonna search back in that and see 50 milliseconds ago it looked like this and yes when you shot that guy wasn't actually where you think it was. Mm -hmm. However, what the client is going to do in this case, because it's it's kind of of weird, like you you shot something you missed according to the server, but what you did on the client was seeing, actually, you saw this guy and you shot him. However, uh, uh, oh, this is going to be deep. No, okay. l- let's go. So, uh, for, to avoid an effect, uh, if, you, if you're going to send a message to a server, say, hey, I shot this guy, and before you do anything on your local screen, say you're going to make a, like an effect or but like, a shot effect, I hit yeah. someone and you get little like, blood, po- blood, blood particles blood, something or something, like, something that. like that, and you had to wait for that, everything you did would be very sluggish, it would be very slow for you, Yeah. and you would feel that. Like, I shot someone, and then just a little second later, it's going to be like, you know, some frames of latencies before you actually see this, which is not going to look very good. No, it doesn't feel We want to play it straight for you as if you were hitting this guy, mm-hmm. and then potentially correct it later. So I actually didn't. It, it looks like you did so, but it didn't take any damage. That's okay. one example. Normally, the reason you have this window where you go backwards and look for what happened in, pre- in the past is because we, since everyone is under a certain latency, mm. you you don't want to be in a situation where you punish people that have a high latency, or in better cases like this, imagine that you have, you're have you sitting with your scope like so, and you're seeing, and a guy comes running perpendicular to you, walks past you, and you headshot him right when he goes into your crosshair, right? Yeah. If you were to and then you send that message, and then it reads the server like 100 milliseconds later. So a millisecond is a of a second, right? So 100 milliseconds is a tenth of a second. So a tenth of a second later, this message comes to the server, and we check, where is that player now? Well, he's passed your across there, certainly, because I've been walking and running all the time. You will never be able to make that shot. So that's why you have this window where you go back and check, where where were that player when, I, when you did the shot? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that actually works. Um, the problem here is that you get feedback immediately, and then the server potentially comes in and correct it later and say, ah, actually, no, you weren't. It depends on latency figures, for instance. So if you have uh, high latency on your broadband, for instance, or you have a temporary hiccup or something like that, you might not get the best result from the game server. But sure. yeah.
1: I think that's one of the perceptions that especially happens with people who are playing not on their local server. That's one of the things in the Division yeah. One that people experienced a lot, right? Because yeah. If I was playing, you know, from New Zealand or Australia, uh, yep. there was a server down in Sydney, but if you had someone grouped up with a person from Australia and then me here in mm-hmm. Sweden, one of us is going to have high latency because as a group we're connected to either yep. Yep. Sydney or one a server in, in, in Europe.
0: Yeah, so what we're doing basically, so we, we have we have uh, data centers around the world, and they, mm-hmm. they have two fu- two main functions. One is called the core data center, and in the core data center, we stuff things like your save games. How you that's where you log in. This is where you get to list all your characters when, like, you get on the character select screen. The first thing in the beginning where you can sw- switch around by your character, that you get that from the core data center. So basically the core data center sits on all the data. Mm-hmm. And it knows for all the game servers. Are. So at some point you say, okay, I want to play with that character. What's going to happen is that we're going to go, okay, where are you in the world? What you do, your, what your what your client does is going to ping all known data centers and say, okay, I ping the one. So, so supposedly I'm somewhere in Australia, right? So I ping the uh, Sydney and I got like you know 30 milliseconds latency to Sydney, yeah. great. I pinged the uh, ping the data center in Los Angeles. I get like uh, 200 milliseconds to la- uh, to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do now is we're going to say, okay. I want to pick the one that's best for you, so we're going to pick Sydney, and you're going to end up in Sydney because we have game servers in Sydney. So that's the other role. Mm -hmm. All the other data centers are basically game servers that we have around the world. And the reason we do so is because we want good latency to players, so they have somewhere to play. And... um, the thing we do in core where we have where you say games and do matchmaking and where you build set up your groups if you want to play with other players etc that's like not very latency sensitive it doesn't matter to you as a player if you have to wait a couple hundred milliseconds uh, more mm. for something that normally takes a minute to do yeah like if you if you go press matchmaking, maybe it takes half a minute or something like that before you find a good group to play with. Do you care if it takes like yeah. two tenths of a second more? No, probably no. not. You wouldn't know the difference anyway. Mm-hmm. However, if you're playing and everything adds to uh, two tenths of a second on everything you're doing, you would certainly notice because you, you're not as gonna be as good as shooting stuff as mm-hmm. the guy with low latency. What happens now, of course, is that you're in Australia, hypothetically, and you have your nice 30 millisecond latency to that game server data center. Then you invite your friend from Sweden, and he's going to say, this sucks. I mm-hmm. can't play. It's like I have 300 milliseconds latency to, to Australia. He wouldn't know, but he, wouldn't, he would feel it, certainly.
1: Sure, especially with the hit registration and, and those oh, yeah. sorts of things.
0: And at some point, as I talked about, this window the server, the server maintains of what happens in the past. I mean, we can't keep that indefinitely. Because it's quite it's a data, lot, right. yeah, it it's a lot of stored. data, it it's, it's uses a lot of memory. Because every yeah. single frame on the server, a server typically runs in 20 frames per second. Mm-hmm. So after one second, you have 20 states of what happened before. And that's roughly what you can keep around. You don't want to go much further than a second, because it just becomes like too much data. And most players don't have a second's latency. Most players are around 200 or lower. These are all dedicated servers. Yeah, yeah, they're dedicated servers, definitely.
1: So one of the things that, again, people brought up a lot um, with the first game was the question of did we have dedicated servers? And we always made sure that we were very clear with that and what that meant. Um, What are the other options and why... Would we not use them, or why? What would they be interesting for other games? Uh, because there's the whole peer-to-peer, and
0: yeah, a few other options. Obviously, one the classical option that was for PC gaming for a long time was like, here's the software for a dedicated server, run it yourself, uh, have fun. The problem with this, of course, is that. This works if you do match-based games, like you know, a typical shooter, 16 versus 16 death match kind of thing. You don't really carry anything over between games, right? You, like, you, what you have in your inventory when you start, say, a PUBG match, is always going to be the same, essentially nothing. I and mean, we need to run around and get find all the things you want, right? Yeah. And when you start a new game, you still don't have anything. Uh, You don't carry over anything from the previous game. So, this is where the division is different in that sense because, like, you have your inventory, you have your stuff, and you found that cool gun or whatever. And then you couldn't really
1: work with a persistent world. Exactly. The
0: problem with giving the software to a bunch of players and say, hey, here's all the stuff. Also, you can save your save game over here. There's going to be a guy immediately (laughs) say, well, I wonder what I can give myself. Oh, I can give myself all these things, right? And it's very hard to protect against someone just doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, essentially, they have uh, full control of what happens on that particular server. You can add a bunch of anti-sheet and anti-tampering, but they're going to defeat it eventually if they want to. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to do that, because that's the other thing. On a typical game server we're running today, we have 1,000 players, mm-hmm. and those machines are quite beefy, you might imagine. There's a lot of CPU cores and a lot of memory in those. Yeah. and. Uh, and why do we have a 1,000 players? Well, the reason is, is this, because when you go into social areas or if you go into the dark zone, you want to make it reasonably believable that you're going to meet someone else. If you host 16 players on the Division server and you walk into the dark zone, it's going to be empty, because right. the other players are going to be doing something else. They're going to be playing a mission over there or doing something like that, so. Sure. So
1: why not? To peer,
0: problem peer to peer is essentially the same as with I give you the software, have fun. Because sure. what you're basically telling is saying pe- to people is like, Here's the software, run it on your PC or your Xbox or whatever, and we don't have any control. And if they want to update your inventory, it's, it's, it's cheating galore, basically. It's okay. so simple for people to just say, Okay, relatively speaking, simple at least say, Okay, I'm gonna add myself all the stuff I want. Oh, oh I get so much XP, etc. etc. Right, okay the other problem with peer meshes as we call the peer-to-peer what mm-hmm. you do essentially just to get an idea is like you have all the players in a session and they're usually quite a low number not a thousand players it would never work but say eight players hypothetically okay. i think games like grand theft Auto online have 16 players or something like that in a match and that's kind of the limit where you can mm-hmm. where what that you can hit with like reasonable broadband every time i do something I need to send it to the guy running the server at the very least, but typically if there are other players in my near area, say within 100 meters, I'm going to send it to them as well. So if all the players meet up at one point and I move one meter, I need to tell that to the other 15 players. So what normally is like, you know, a 100-byte or a 20-byte message to tell the server that I'm moving two meters to the left, now becomes 20 bytes times 15 so you, okay. you base because you have to send it to everyone yeah
1: right? yeah, yeah
0: and uh, the other option is just send it to the server but then the guy running the server need to push it to everyone in the vicinity yeah. so he would have to take one update of 20 bytes and then push it to 15 players say bjorn moved two meters to the left so they also see it so that mm-hmm. guy his bandwidth is going to suffer in any case and potentially other players as well and then, of course, he's on a home broadband. He doesn't necessarily have like, you know, we can be an American, which is in a situation where you can't actually download or upload as much as yeah. you want every month. you have like, you know, 10 or 50 gigabyte quota. And when that's out, you need to pay more money. And people are not particularly con- happy about spending extra bandwidth. They want to generally yeah, yeah. want to spend as little as possible. And then of course you get the problem with that guy, like he got headshot and doesn't like it anymore and it's like screw this and just turns off <laughs> this console <laughs> yeah. and then everyone else like what happened to it? Doesn't have this little finding, news finding new host. host. Finding new host, yeah. host migration in progress. Mm-hmm. So it's like how often does it work anyway? I think I don't know because we never tried it live, but yeah. I have heard from people who tried it. So it's like it's a fifty fifty if it kinda yeah. works. I understand
1: and why it wouldn't work for a game like the division, but my understanding, I could be way wrong. Yeah. Um do some fighting games use uh, peer-to-peer? And yeah. I, I imagine that the, oh, in a one-to-one they're, they're just, thing, it makes, yeah. it makes sense, right?
0: Absolutely. And there's one case where it actually makes sense, and that's like that kind of game, fighting yeah. game. There's two players fighting, and the only thing they want to do is sending updates to each mm-hmm. other. Then, if you send, if you imagine like I'm sending to you over the a internet, I punch, or- <laughs> <I'll> punch <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. I'm sending a punch to you. And uh, that takes 20 milliseconds, say, because we are both in Sweden, and we have good latency. Sure. Versus I'm going to send it to a server in Holland. Yeah, and then didi- the, A
1: dedicated server? A uh, dedicated okay. server in
0: Holland. That's, I say, 40 milliseconds. Yeah. And then that server needs to push it to the other player. Mm. That's another 40 milliseconds. So that's a kind of a difference. Mm. So you have very, very, very high latency requirements, where it's like uh, nothing is allowed to take longer than, say, uh, 50 milliseconds to get, uh, get through the system. Then you can build a pair mesh between two players. Okay. And then it makes sense. Because you're not going to send more. Either you send to a server your thing of twenty bytes, or you send it to other player, players. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The problem starts happening when you have more than one player you want to send to. Then yeah. at some point where you say, "Okay, we're more than eight players now," then you kind of want to s- rather send to a dedicated server.
1: Yeah, because and, if especially in the fighting game example, yeah. if you're if you have a good connection to that dedicated server in, in Holland yeah. or in the Netherlands, and it's say let's say twenty milliseconds. Yeah it receives that punch, and then I'm in Australia, then it's gonna be 200 before I can realize I should have blocked it. Yeah, Yeah, certainly. Um, So uh, I guess there's an element of fairness as well for a game like that where it would make sense.
0: Yeah, it makes much more sense to do fighting games pair to pair, but because a typical street fighter kind of Tekken game, the two guys fighting each other then it's fine it's not mm-hmm. a problem so you kind of have to pick your technology depending on what game you're doing and then it becomes kind of rigid and you're kind of stuck in that box basically mm-hmm. it's hard to break out once we build it like that because you have so much te- te- technology building on top of it and then changing model to something else like if you were to say decide today oh we want to do pair mesh instead of dedicated services like a couple of years before we have something that even runs yeah because there's so much code that needs to be rewritten to like. Make it work basically.
1: And I would imagine that likely even then it wouldn't run as well as a dedicated service solution.
0: In, in Not in our case, certainly, oh. but we could, we could imagine for fun that mm. that was a scenario. <laughs> and yes, okay, let's Your go
1: idea of fun <laughs> is really weird, but sure. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> it's very tempting, I'm going to make a pair
0: <laughs> No. We'll see if it works. So yeah, there's a lot of work around that thing, obviously. But no, I think we did the right technical choice in that sense. I mean, if it makes sense to do dedicated server for games like Division, then you have a lot of benefit for it, too, because you can do certain things that you can't do in other cases. I mean, you also have to realize if you do, say, a pair mesh, you're asking a guy hosting to run the entire simulation of everything Mm -hmm. that happens in the world on his console. And what you're basically saying, we need to set aside so much much of your CPU budget to Mm -hmm. do these things. And since we don't know who's going to be hosting, we can't just do it on his machine. So we need everyone
1: to do, has to have the headroom, right?
0: Yeah, they have to have the headroom, because they might host the server at some point if mm-hmm. you need to do host migration. And obviously, you rather spend those things on other things, like doing f- nice graphics and whatever. I was whatever. just going to say
1: that would make TechOut very unhappy if we were telling them, hey, you have to bring it that much more under budget. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, everyone, like, we, I mean, if you look at your typical console game running, We try to use all CPU available. That's basically running the thing 100% all the time. Use as much memory as possible because it gives us more things to show on the screen. And like we're currently scrambling trying to get everything within budget so you can fit everything on a console. If you take your typical PS4. It has 8 gigabytes of RAM and a reasonably, reasonably well-made CPU and a reasonably mm-hmm. well-made graphics card. But it's not like a server machine where you have like 40 cores and like gigabytes after gigabytes of RAM. And if you need more, yeah. you just get more servers or so buy beefier machines. It's mm-hmm. not like you can go home to people and say, yeah, we're just going to install some memory in your console, even if yeah. you could, which you can't. But
1: yeah, yeah. we
0: yeah. wouldn't do that.
1: Do you get nervous whenever you have to see a huge load of players coming in. I know we recently had the technical alpha, and while we won't talk about all of that, I guess the, the yeah. server side of things, people know we had a lot of people coming online. I mean, okay. yes,
0: absolutely, of course. I mean, you don't want to be the guy who broke everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no. on the other hand, you need to trust that you're doing the right thing. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't have the job, basically, or you wouldn't want the job, because if you're thinking all day, like, oh my god, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not good. No. You, you need to trust that the thing's working, and I mean, of course, we, we test things heavily and normally it's very hard to like get you know a million players to play your game for mm-hmm. testing purposes because uh, people have other things to do, obviously. So what you do is you, you automate a lot of the testing. You write test programs that basically go online, create a character, find a game server, get on that game server, find a friend, invite that friend to game, talk a little bit on the chat, yeah. uh, go do a mission, break up that game session roll a new character play it to level 6 then do this etc etc it's kind of randomly testing the system and then what you do with these test programs they, they since they don't have to draw a bunch of graphics and play sound and animation really you can normally on a typical machine you can squeeze in a couple of thousand of these no problems and they basically just go and hammer on them on the service back end and see where it breaks and while doing so we're sitting there where all our Little monitor and trinkets and try to figure out. Okay, oh, there's a performance problem. So I mean, yeah, you you try to be reasonably well prepared for launch. Of course, there's gonna be a couple of things we didn't test and didn't think about. Even that's gonna break and we're gonna to scramble to fix it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're gonna have downtime. That that's yeah, I don't want to promise you we're gonna have downtime, but I can't guarantee that's gonna happen because there's always one thing we didn't think about. And with some luck, it's going to be some system that we don't care too much if it's down for two hours. Like, mm-hmm. if, if, if matchmaking doesn't work for two hours, you can still play the game. That's mm-hmm. generally how we write software. So we have, it's called a microservice architecture, where basically you divide it in, up into roles. Mm-hmm. And they are independent processes. So for instance, uh, one such service, Microsoft, would be grouping. Like I mm-hmm. want to create a group. Where yeah. are where you invite people back and forth to the group? And like, where is the group run? Where's the group leader? What server is it on? Okay, I need to transfer to that server. That kind of thing. Normally, if you get a group invite, you get and accepted. You will get a little spinner. What happens yeah, there yeah. is that you are gonna make a connection to the group leader server and get there. So that system is a microservice, and if it say decides just break down what's going to happen to you as a player. You can still play the game and get the game, fine. But you might not be able to create a group with other players for a couple of hours while you fix it. Mm-hmm. Other systems, like our login system, where we check that you actually own the game, and et cetera. If that breaks, yeah, no one can play for a couple of hours. So no one can log in. If you already are on the game server, however, you wouldn't notice because you don't talk to that system all the time. You just do it when you log in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's called the microservice architecture. It's like, Every sensible company in the world doing anything larger than a web page is going to do that. If you go to Netflix, they run microservices. If you go to Google, they run microservices. If you go to... Facebook to run microservices. So that's how yeah. you build this for resiliency. Because it doesn't matter t- for your Facebook experience. It's not going to be incredibly limited by the fact that events, recommendation, microservices down for the moment. Just not going to get notifications about yeah. events and friends going there. It's fine. Sure. You can live you can
1: with it. You can still use the, the whole platform.
0: Yeah, for most part, except yeah. of course if. Uh, you're unless that you know that, one that thing. But yeah. so you, you try to build in resiliency, right. in it. Cool.
1: So, I, I said it a little bit earlier that I wanted to come back to something, and that is something that a lot of people talk about online, and that's tick rate. Tick rate, uh, yeah. Yeah. What is it?
0: What is it? Basically, all games, almost all games, they run in what's called frames. They have, it mm-hmm. have ticks per second. So what you do is you cut up your second into, say, a typical a typical PC game, around 60 frames per second. You know that stuff. Let, it, let's it re- use that as a baseline. Yeah, yeah. well, let's do it as a baseline. It's perfect. So you redraw your screen 60 times per second. If it drops lower than 30, then you start noticing. Then you start mm-hmm. feeling that it's getting sluggish. Yeah. And a lot of console games aim for 30 because it's always like, the higher frame rate you have, the less cool things you can draw, but you can draw it more per second, basically. Yep. It takes this much time 60 uh, or second whatever that is that's like 16 milliseconds or something like that I don't remember uh, yeah something like that then over those 60 milliseconds you need to f- draw all the graphics get everything online on screen update all the AI do all the things you want to do and then push it on the graphic cards and get it rendered and all the mm-hmm. audio needs to played, etc etc right and in the same way uh, we do game servers so they also run at a tick rate. They Don't draw anything on a screen anywhere because it's just a server without the screen. But they are going to basically, what they're doing is like collecting all the input they see over the networks. In the mm-hmm. beginning of the frame, they're going to say, what has been sent to me from players? OK, all this stuff, movement orders, shooting orders, I opened my inventory, I did this, I did that. Yeah. All right? Then try to figure out, consolidate what all that means and check that it like makes sense in in all in all regards. Like, you don't want people to send random cra- crap to you. You want to like get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, take up all that f- things, and then you say, "Okay, what's my current simulation state? All the AI is here. All the players are there. Here, are all the bullets that are in mid air, whatever have you." And then you push an update and say, "Move the simulation forward, given this input I got from all the players. Move it forward for like you know, twentieth uh, of a second or whatever uh, you, want, you want." And then you collect all the output from that and say, "Okay, this means I need to send all this stuff to all players connected. Yeah. They need to know." Uh, where all the NPCs are, or the AI is, or uh, where all the other players are, and what bullets hit what, and yada, yada, yada. All those things mm-hmm. need to be pushed out. And then you start a new frame, and then you pick up all the input, and run the simulation, and then push it again, and then you go on like that. And, mm-hmm. um, depending on what kind of game you're playing, you want to have a lower or higher tick rate. If you okay. play a very competitive game, like Counter-Strike, you yeah. gen- they generally, I think, run something like 120 updates per second or something like okay.
1: that. what does does that practically mean for the end user for having a tick rate that high obviously things like bullets you need to see
0: the difference here of course what uh, game like Counter-Strike, they don't have a bunch of AI running around. They're no, uh, no, they just a, other yeah. players. They need to resolve what players are, what they're shot at, and then figure out what the result is, and push it. That's okay. that's. I wouldn't say it's an easy problem, but it's easier than also running a bunch of AI. Mm-hmm. So if you have noticed when you're playing The Division, when you play The Division you go out and world. it's just you and mm-hmm. whatever friends you brought in and a bunch of AI. And imagine now that you have a 1,000 players on one server. You have 1,000 versions of the world In version one, it's you with your friends, Mm -hmm. and in version two, there's me and my friends, and in version three, there's some other guy and his girlfriend playing, and in Mm -hmm. number four, etc. they're called faces. So one face per player, if they're out in the open world doing missions, and um, uh, each face has their own AI that needs to be updated, and AI, uh, it's relatively... Uh, hard work for the server because if you want your AI to be reasonably intelligent you need to spend this much time every frame to, to do intelligence
1: yeah, that stuff. logic has to be calculated exactly and that happens on the
0: server that happens on the server okay. yep and if you if you say okay i would like so you can say okay we, we're running our game servers at 20 frames per second which is rather low it wouldn't you wouldn't like it if you're playing it because it'd be too slow to watch the frame rate would be too low but uh, but it works for a server so, say, say you would argue, okay, let's let's move this to 120 frames per second because we want the best shooting fidelity possible, basically. Sure. Then your AI have very hard time doing anything sensible every frame. Mm-hmm. You would still want your AI to update at a lower frequency so you can get reasonable actions because it takes longer than 120 to a frame for the AI to do something good that makes sense for you as a player. So. What you can do is a hybrid model where you say I'm going to update certain portions of it at one frame rate and other things are going to operate at another frame rate. So you can okay. put your AI at a lower frame rate and your shooting mechanics at a higher, etc. Mm-hmm. Is that then- something that we do? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you could. You, you, could, could okay. you could imagine that was the case, right? You could All imagine right. you could do it like that. However. Um, and what, what it turns out is that they're usually very tied together. Like what AI does is incredibly depending on what you are doing. So if you were allowed to run mm. like twen- uh, 10 frames before the AI even noticed the fact that you moved because they're running at the lower frame rate, then it's been kind mm-hmm. of weird to like consolidate that with the AI's understanding of the world. So you run everything at 20. And it seems to work fine. I mean, um, it's all always going to be a debate, which is better. Mm-hmm. And you, you can imagine scenarios where it's like, oh, there's no AI here. We want to run it faster. We do adaptive frame rates on the game server, too, mm-hmm. depending on load and what the situation is. Because you can, in principle, run it higher in certain situations. Like, there's no AI around. It's just players shooting at each other. Like, that's increase the frame rate a bit. Okay. So we, the the,
1: the, t- the adapt- Could you do an adaptive tick rate? In principle,
0: saying? yes, yes. Okay. We, in, in principle we already do because I mean sometimes you run into situations where we, we didn't account for and say, mm-hmm. oh my God, there's so much to compute. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to be done within my allotment. Mm-hmm. I have allotted myself I don't know uh, 50 milliseconds to complete a frame rate. Uh, complete complete a frame. Mm-hmm. That's a 20 of a second, right? And now perfect storm of input and perfect storm of AI behavior that mm-hmm. takes it. OK, so you don't do it in twen- uh, 50, you do it in uh, 75. Mm-hmm. That frame is going to be slightly longer. Yeah. That happens uh, not so much, but it, it still do happens. You don't want to box for all these scenarios either, because if you did and say there's an absolutely strict 50 milliseconds upper bound, if you ever, ever go over that uh, everything is you can't do anything it's like it's it you you might as well just crash the server and start over if you if you gave yourself those limitations then you need to be so sure that you're always under that you're not going to be willing to do anything instead because Mm. you're going to say actually we don't want to try that thing because it might use too much frame time kind of situation right so it's it's a it's a balance between what's what's like good and interesting for you as a player versus what is like computable in a reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. and sometimes you go a little lower, most times you are a little bit under, mm-hmm. but you know it's it's going back and forth like that
1: is our, is our game the, the division two made in such a way that the tick rate? Could or would change based on you know you finding one that fits or
0: certainly I mean we we're monitoring everything okay. we we have uh, we we're collecting a lot of like statistics and data about the gameplay and uh, what what we noticed is that frame rate is not incredibly important for your general uh, perception of the game when you're a player uh, okay. like if if you do fifteen or twenty it mm-hmm. on the server on the server okay. yeah you wouldn't notice that much of a difference. That's the first observation. But we also know certain key markers you're looking for. And if we see that, okay, uh, dude, we really need to increase the frame rate in the dark zone because mm-hmm. people have problems shooting because it's too low, then we can absolutely do so. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the plan as well. Yes, in particular for PvP snares, we want to run it at a higher frame rate because we know we don't have a bunch of AI running around. Mm-hmm. And we also know that people are, it's beneficial for players to have a higher frame rate because you get better fidelity when you're shooting, a more mm-hmm. responsive shooting. And your headshot actually hits better than it would if you'd done it at 10 frames per second or something, five frames per second or something extreme like that.
1: OK. So is it potentially possible, for example, there are, to use the Division 1 example, there are dedicated PvP modes in yeah. uh, you know, Last Stand, Skirmish, and those sorts yeah. of things. Could those run at different tick rates from the main game? Yeah.
0: Uh, no, that's the plan in a way, because at the, in these cases, we don't have a bunch of AI running around. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're very little of it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go into Dark Zone, most, uh, like in the in the first game, there was kind of a lot of AI in the Dark Zone. But in many cases, they weren't around when you were shooting. The problem is, of course, that you have Dark Zone as a large consecutive portion of the world, you need to kind of update AI even though you don't necessarily see them. You can do it at the lower frequency or lower uh, it's called a level of details, a LOD level, mm-hmm. and if they're like you know, 200 meters away and don't actively do anything with the players, you run them at a slower simulation because they don't need that much. You kind of just want to know their general whereabouts and roughly what they're doing. Are yeah. they respawning or poking their nose or what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Well if they're in active combat you wanna update it more frequently because they have input to you as a player. So that you already sort of see that there's a lot of different little knobs you can turn here to yeah, tune yeah. the gaming experience. And uh, tuning gaming, uh, this gaming uh, this gaming experience is hard to do in the lab because for two reasons. First, you don't have 1,000 players per server when you're mm. testing. We're, we're not that many people working on the product, God, God bless. But that'd be but nice. But yeah, that yeah, would sure. be nice, yeah. but I mean, it, it, you, you can't get all these players on the servers. So it's hard to tune these vari- uh, variables for like real gameplay mm-hmm. ser- scenarios. And the other thing is that you don't anticipate necessarily what players are going to do either. Mm-hmm. Because if you're working here as a QA or any developer playing the game actively, you get tuned to it and you do things that you know work and you forget about all the things that didn't work. Well, if you're a player who never played a game before, you're going to basically try random stuff, in a way. Yeah. Do things that you never thought would happen as a game developer. And some portions of these combinations are going to be weird for the server. It's going to take a long time to resolve. And you get these things. Yeah. And you you figure out these eventually, because you're going to notice it. I mean, you monitor and things. oh, my god. Here's like a frame that should happen in 50 milliseconds. It took mm-hmm. three seconds to complete. What what happened? Yeah. Oh, my god. Jesus Christ, that's a bug. So it's like a combination of two skills or uh, with a particular AI. And it's like everything else goes haywire and Three mm-hmm. seconds to resolve, and then we're not like, oh my god, crazy! And then we fix it. And, but tuning these things takes time because it's hard to test. Normally, you don't want to test on your live game. You don't want to like, okay, let's see what happens if I do this, and then publish it, and then say, oh my god, it didn't work so well. Everyone hates it. (laughs) You don't want to do that. So you need to have a really good qualified guess before you make changes. And the best way to do so is to collect real player data, and then say, okay, the data looks like this. Okay, we need to trust it. It's sensible. We should do these changes. We change the frame rate here, or the drop rate of this item. Loot, for instance, is a perfect example of things Mm that are very hard to test in the studio, because you don't know what kind of meta game people are going to invent over loot, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You sure.
0: just need to say, oh, okay, we're dropping this too much, or this one is too rare, or, oh, this combination of skills and uh, mods on guns, and yada, yada, is totally overpowered, and it's like the only thing people ever use when they're in the Dark Zone or playing PvP, mm-hmm. because like, that's the best one. And you don't want it, you want the diversity, because otherwise you end up in a situation where you, as a player, immediately know what's going to happen when mm-hmm. you go into the Dark Zone. You're going to meet a guy with this particular spec, and he's gonna own you unless you have it too, and it's first on that thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, these things are like you need to do it live in a way.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't really thought and about it. I mean, we've
0: testing a lot before. I mean, we have pa- players coming here, they sit in the studio, they play all day, they try all the things. We yeah. have like almost pro players sitting in Bucharest in our QA studio, mm-hmm. like hammering on PP, trying to like, you know, break the game basically. But in still, tr- your sample size is very small. Yeah, right? still, yeah. it's small. It's too small. It's way too small, honestly. uh, But it's the best we can do, basically. I mean, we have all these players basically trying to break the game all day before we go live. And we know it's going to be broken in certain aspects anyway. That's just life.
1: Yeah. But you can't compare it to that huge mass. And I guess with the beta coming up, that's kind of the first time that we will have that incomparable sample size of mm-hmm. of players, because you know, yeah. when we're talking about the people at, at Ubisoft, I and mean, Ubisoft is now thousands and thousands and thousands of employees around the world, they don't all work on the game, you know. But the the, the people that do still can never compare to that giant mass of uh, beta players.
0: No, 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 cold yeah. no. It, we have a lot, we have a lot of insight. I mean, we have to. understand one thing. That's like a l- when you play a game. Mm. And your perception is that it's broken. What, you, what you're kind of missing here is like, most things actually do work. It's just that one little thing that breaks it for you. And mm. that's, I mean, that's true. You need everything yeah. to be more or less perfect. Otherwise you're going to, otherwise that that little thing, annoying thing is going to be a problem for mm. you. And uh, so we fix a lot of things. You fix the obvious things first, obviously, and then you start hammering on the things that are not so obvious. And you try to figure out, OK, how do we do this in a sensible way? Because it could be easy to solve it in a certain way, but then you kind of would like, you know, if, if I nerf this thing, what kind of relation does it have to that thing that I didn't nerf or whatever, right? So you need to figure out all these weird ways of how things interact with each other. And it's like extra hard when you have a game that is based on like in, in, almost infinite combinations possible combinations of loot and gear mm. and that's kind of the game loop if you do a simple game like a, a sim- or a simplistic game in that sense like you can take left for dead as an example because as i played a lot you have three different guns you can pick up you have two tiers mm-hmm. of guns and the, the, in in the top tier you have three different guns that's mm-hmm. it
1: mm-hmm.
0: no mods no nothing there's a sniper rifle a shotgun and an assault rifle and the, they're these kind of zombies it's already much easier to figure out all the combinations of things that could go wrong in such game because you have mm. so little loot. In Division, I don't know, but we have hundreds of different guns and all the combinations yeah, and the of, ranges
1: of, of how those guns work as well. So. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, and all the mods you can put on. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of the fun part, of course. Of course. But then. Of course, there's going to be one combination that is better than another. and also So you hope it's not by a large margin, just a little bit better. And then you're kind of like, oh, you find a good combination. Good, you're like 2% better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Of course, the problem, when you hit one of those combinations that is like 100% better than everyone else and you didn't think about it, then you need to go fix something. But in finding that combination, there's nothing like players. They're going to find it, and they're going to be spending a lot of energy trying Mm -hmm. to find it because, hey, I want to win, of course.
1: Yeah, I I hadn't actually really thought about it before until... Until now, but I guess when I look back at the history of the division one and there's been so many different metas mm. like you have you know when sticky bombs were popular and then you know you had SMGs that could actually proc century and, and then there's all these sorts of different metas. I didn't actually think about if there would be a different impact on the server of the different way that people were playing at those certain times. but I can only imagine that um, it had at least some impact, like uh, different different times of the game and people playing in different ways.
0: Certainly, I mean it, it, it's bound to have because I mean you're gonna you're gonna basically have different patterns of like what mm. you do. I'm gonna do this skill and then I'm gonna shoot this thing with these mods, mm-hmm. and it's again it's input to the server it needs to be sold into something sensible. And sometimes you didn't anticipate a certain mm. combination of things and stuff generally. Like if you hit bugs, n- generally speaking, I mean I wanna stress this because it sounds like I'm 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 a problem person that focuses on problems. <laughs> That's your job. That's my <laughs> job, right? I want to find problems and solve it. That's really yeah. what I'm doing, and, and try to make. Sensible software design, so we can find our problems and yep. do not have too many of them. But so we are very problem focused. And then when you talk to me, people like me, everything is gonna sound like there's a huge problem everywhere, <laughs> right? I wanna so when I stress this, most things work very well. Yeah, that's very important to remember. It's just one combination, right? And yeah, mm-hmm. as I said, you, you don't necessarily know what kind of stuff people are gonna come up with when, it's, especially when it comes to the meta game. Or like, I wanna make the perfect loadout or build. Yeah, you're gonna find someone that's gonna like break the bank and like oh my god we never thought about that and then of course you say let's nerf that rifle and then People from, from, from the right that's coming in, like, why did you nerf that rifle? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you broke yeah. my, my build. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Like, oh, we didn't think about those guys, or we didn't anticipate that we're mm-hmm. pro- a problem for them, basically.
1: Yeah, and like you say, with all these interactions, it, it yeah. becomes exponentially more complex. And
0: but, I mean, I also want to point out that I'm kind of outside my comfort zone in terms of when I talk about gear and things, because that's not necessarily what I'm doing.
1: No, you're not a game designer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a game s- designer. So, so I don't,
0: like, they probably will be screaming upstairs for <laughs> here. like, it like, like, no, Bjorn, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to check with them
1: <laughs> uh, I on this one. Yeah, um, I guess now's a, a good time or I think a necessary time to talk about things when when you say people's perception of things going badly is really bad for their experience the the biggest thing um, that has detracted from people's experience with the first game um, was the interaction with people cheating what was the the case for that game what, what did we have in place for that um, and I, I guess it kind of ties back into what we talked about initially with the whole difference mm. between server-side and client-side things because a lot of, well, from, from my understanding, a lot of the ways that people um, managed to do things in the game that we really didn't like and didn't anticipate oh, yeah. came down to certain things operating on the server and certain things operating on oh, the certainly.
0: client. A right? big disclaimer when it comes to cheat and how we tamper with it, like, we don't want to talk too much in detail about it. For a yeah. simple reason that you do not want to give away everything you're doing. But on in all fairness, there's certain things we can talk about because they're gonna if if you were a cheater and trying to make sheets for the game, there's certain things that's gonna be immediately obvious to you. Mm-hmm. That's different from, from the first division. The first one is that we basically so you can uh, let me explain cheating a little bit and how it works, what you can mm-hmm. do and what you can't do. Uh, the server simulation. We run on a server. It's very hard to mess with it because we generally sanitize all input to the server. It's very hard to make it do something it didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So, but what you can do is you can get away with things it didn't think about checking, right? It, it, yeah. it, one good example that happened uh, happened early in the division, and this is easy to fix. So it's easy to talk about it. And like we didn't check how many med packs you had on you on the game server we didn't bother checking we just took it like at face value the client mm-hmm. said i'm gonna use the med pack the server sure you use the med pack we never bothered checking how many you actually had mm-hmm. so people what they did was they said and i'm gonna go see if i can figure out where in memory the med pack counter is mm-hmm. and they find it pretty quickly okay so here's the med pack counter i'm gonna give myself a million med packs Mm-hmm. That's the first one. The other thing they also do is like the cooldown for using a mad pack. I'm going to set it from like what 10 seconds to zero seconds. Yeah. And uh, every time someone shoots me, I'm just going to give myself a mad pack. It takes no time to apply, and I have an infinite amount of them, mm-hmm.
1: basically. So basically god mode.
0: Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And the game server was like, dun-dun-dun-dun. Nothing's wrong here. And then we okay we see this immediately, oh my God, we don't have a check on the med pack. So mm-hmm. you just put the check on the server and say you don't we only have three med packs and it takes ten seconds to use them. If you try to use them more often, we can assume you're cheated because a client, mm-hmm. a, a normal client that haven't been tampered with wouldn't allow you to use a medpack more often than say every ten seconds. Mm-hmm. And you don't have more than three, so you wouldn't even try to use more than three. If you try to use the fourth medpack and you try to do it in such a way that like, oh, too often basically, we can like we can throw you out of the session. If it's uh, and then we basically log it somewhere and say, okay, this player has been trying this like you know twenty times on three different servers and we kick them every time and uh, sure looks like the guy is a cheater. Maybe yeah. we should ban him, right? So, yeah. we, so those are the first thing you can do. And in principle, you can do that with a lot of things. Like I can, you can't use guns you don't have. You can't, uh, arguably, you can't go to a vendor and just tell the vendor the, I- the price item, the item for this price is one dollar mm-hmm. instead of like you know two hundred whatever. All those kind of things are relatively easy to check on the server. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, you don't care too much because uh, once you have these guards in place, it becomes a non-viable sheet. You can't mm-hmm. do it anymore. So even if someone tried, it did not bother. It's like hey, whatever. Try try something else that actually works. Okay. And then you get into a category of sheets that are much harder to work with, generally speaking. There are also things where we kind of have to trust the client a little bit. Okay. And in our case, it's movement and shooting, which is kind of weird. Why do you do that? Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier, but if I'm... So if, say I'm waiting, say you can imagine an implementation where it's like, I want to move forward. Yeah. So you tell the, the server, I want to move two meters forward. Then the server says, Yes, you can move two meters forwards. There are no walls. There are no other players. There are no cars, whatever. Go for it. So you're allowed to do that, and then you actually move on the screen, mm-hmm. right? With that latency, you feel like I'm pressing forward, and then you just like you get yeah. this kind of latency. It's get sluggish, sluggish. It's called rubber banding, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You have this, and sometimes the server corrects you even and say, "No, we didn't move." And then that. you like
1: pop back to you like pop back point. to yep. where
0: you were, and it's it's awful to play like that. Yeah. You don't want that. So you kind of want to, you kind of want to allow the client to like move around and then send mm-hmm. these updates and then eventually, if you see that people are cheating, try to go inside buildings and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, or move it at a really fast. Then you pace. can correct it. Yeah.
0: So it might look like on your client that as you were moving, but in reality you weren't on the server because you know we had a bound check. You're not allowed to move inside a building, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. So these are these are a class. The same with shooting. Like I want I want immediate feedback when I'm shooting because that's what makes it fluent and nice when I'm shooting my guns. I don't want to wait for mm-hmm. the server to acknowledge every single bullet I'm shooting because it's just gonna be too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in uh, in in regards to that, we also trust in the client to say, okay, I shot this guy. Basically, mm-hmm. we can do a bunch of hit detection. Then we can say okay, and then we sh- much later actually. When I say much later. Mm-hmm. much later is in terms of a second, say. We actually check, was this a legit shot? Mm-hmm. Did you actually do this, or did you just say you did it, while well, in reality yeah. you <laughs> didn't, right? Um, and in some cases, uh, you mm-hmm. will say, no, you didn't. And we're going to correct that, and we basically going to give back the HP to the other player shot, for instance. On your screen, it's going to look like his little HP bar goes down, and then goes back up again, because okay. like, in reality, that never happened. Sure. Um, but these are areas where it's easier to, sh- to cheat. And what you can do here as a game developer, you can say, OK, if you have a guy moving too fast, you're in a dark zone, there's a guy running around like crazy, and he's like super happens? fast. And yeah. it's like, you can't ever shoot the guy. It's very annoying. And what the game server would, of course, want to do is to correct all this stuff. And if it's blatant, like you're twice as fast as everyone else, it's blatantly someone cheating, and you know it's a problem, and you ban the guy, and you're done. Mm-hmm. But what happens when people make themselves like 2% faster than everyone else? Mm. Then you sort of get into a problem where it's like, do I trust my data? We are on, on network. The data is going to end up at my server with a certain amount of latency. I don't know from point A to point B, say one server frame, that's 10 to a millisecond. You move, so, so say your moving speed is six meters mm-hmm. per second, and that's it, basically. Yeah. You can't go, can't go faster than that. And here we have from from uh, one millisecond uh, uh, zero milliseconds to say tw- fifty milliseconds. We see that you move seven meters per second on average. Mm-hmm. Is that because my perception of the world is a little noisy because I'm in a networked environment and don't receive my update as a game server mm-hmm. in timely fashion all the time because of network latency and that kind of stuff? Uh, I don't know. I should probably yes. sample more stuff, and then you know. You, you build your picture of what the player is doing over time, and yep. then a minute later you say, okay, what happens in the last minute? Okay, this guy was always moving at like, you know, eight meters per second, mm. it's very fishy. Yeah. let's make a note on this player maybe we don't really trust him after all maybe he's okay. cheating we don't yeah. really know so you try to build this picture over time but over that minute or that 10 minutes or whatever before the server final decides to kick the cheater of course everyone else is going to have the perception that there's someone cheating yeah. because they see it on the screen and they see he's moving too fast
1: yeah. especially if it's a, obviously six you know if you're you know at seven or eight above six meters per second it's yeah. You know, it's like, yes, uh, but if you see someone at, like, 60, you know, that's a Yeah, yeah, a then, then
0: you d- definitely know right away. But yeah. it can take a little while for a server to pick up on this, because yeah. it doesn't want to, it wants to collect relative. Rel- uh, because what we're doing when we ban someone, we're basically saying, you paid so much money for the game, you don't have that anymore, bye bye. Yeah, We are totally OK to do so, mm-hmm. but we want to be, be dead sure that like we don't ban someone just because they have a crappy network latency. And it looked like they were cheating, when in reality, mm-hmm. they weren't. We, we want to be dead sure on these things. Uh, Otherwise, we basically have a lot of angry players saying, I wasn't cheating. Mm -hmm. Mark as a cheater, but it wasn't. I mean, that happens too. You have anti-cheat on servers that are too aggressive and doing it too much and get all this, like... Sorry, everyone. You get yeah, your game the, back. Don't well, we, worry about it. We don't want to be there. It's, it's, it's yeah. not nice. Uh, and you don't want to be in the opposite either, where it's like, oh, we don't want to blame, point fingers to anyone and say they're cheaters because you are afraid to ban people. You need to be right. That's yeah. the problem, generally.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know we've had um, some people put their hand up and say, uh, I think I was banned. And, and these are people who I know for a fact um, are just really, really good players. Yep. So I guess one of those things that I, um, when yeah. you see people who are just generally above the global average for things like headshots, yep. uh, at a point, if you're hitting 100% of your headshots, it's a little bit fishy. Yep. But there are some people who are just, you know, I don't know how many of my headshots I hit, but it's not very many. Um, but if someone's hitting, you know, 100%, it's a bit fishy. But maybe, you know, they're twice as good as me. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, my 10%, they're hitting 20%. Yep. And I guess that on that sliding scale somewhere, it, mm-hmm. um yeah like you say if someone is hitting i don't know but just, the, the but, headshots
0: but, is good right if yeah. you have a guy who who f- of all his hits is ever registered on a server 100 percent of them are headshots mm-hmm. he never misses anything but he never shoots your arm he never shoots your leg he never shoots a car nothing it's mm-hmm. everything always headshots mm-hmm. then you can be pretty certain that this mm-hmm. is not realistic right and uh, uh, if you were a sheet, developer, you would say, well, I'm not going to go for that because it's kind of blatant that I'm cheating. So I'm going to yes. go for just being very good.
1: Yeah, 10% I mean, better than most.
0: 10% better than most. Yeah. Not necessarily even as good as the best players, just better than ever most of the pack. Like, mm-hmm. if I meet really good players, then uh, maybe I'm on par with them or a little worse or a little better, doesn't really matter. But it's very hard for us to do countings on like number of headshots and time to kill and kill death ratio and say, this is a cheater. What you can do, however, is of course you can say, Things like, OK, here's really good players.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't know if they're sheets or not, but we can add even more logging on them because they are if, if, where do you find a cheater? In the bottom tier or the top tier? You find them in the top tier, obviously, because- Yeah, yeah no you know. one's going <laughs> to
1: try and be worse. <laughs> exactly.
0: So you can e- do even more logging in these mm-hmm. and be more scrutinizing their data and see what, what are they doing anyway. And that kind of makes sense, because the majority of all players are not cheaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we hear this a lot, oh, there's only cheaters in the north, and that's not true. Mm. We, we have banned a lot of cheaters in the division. In the beginning, we weren't ready for it, arguably. And then we got a bunch of measurements in place and like started to realize, OK, mm-hmm. there's have all these cheaters. And Many of them were blatantly cheating in weird ways, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing these things first. like, oh, there's no time to reload, and I can empty the magazine. Yeah, rate of fire was a big Yeah, I have a gun or whatever, you. a shotgun. I can empty the entire magazine in like one go, and there you yeah. go. But, and those are easy to find and ban. And then we banned thousands and thousands of players. And then eventually, the perception of the game is, OK, you can't cheat anymore. Get away with it. So mm-hmm. we're going to stop, because the only thing that's going to happen is, of course, that you're going to lose the right to play your game. And you paid money for it. Why would you want to? Mm. You don't want that, obviously.
1: Yep.
0: But uh, Again, we same thing with the skills, right? And same things with weird combinations of what people are doing. We're not gonna be one hundred percent up to snuff in like every conceivable way people could cheat, and we're gonna learn during time. Mm-hmm. We collect data all the time continuously and we analyze it, and we see what okay, what's going on. This could this be a cheat? Put it at analysis, and then you're gonna learn over time, obviously, and say oh, okay. Uh, here's another sheet we didn't think about. Okay, let's ban those guys too.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> and I think
0: implement countermeasures and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a kind of good way to start talking about the future because um, when when people think about the online infrastructure or the servers yeah. for the division, yeah, it's cool that we've got you know more servers around the world. That's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's going to be better for people in South America, for instance. Yeah, exactly. much better latency.
1: That's really cool. Um, but what have you and your team learned from all of those first experiences that we just talked about? Um, And I know that we can't go into the details, you know, uh, about anti-cheat too much, but what can you tell us about um, what your team has learned and how that's being applied to the game and what that would mean for players um, and their experience with The Division 2?
0: Yeah, we have learned quite a lot, obviously. We have figured out, I mean, most common ways to cheat. Most Mm -hmm. cheats are that we find, uh, there's two ways to find them. One, you can not go on the internet and read about them, because people, they, are, they brag about it in forums, etc. Right? Oh, I didn't shit. Look at this blah, blah, blah. Like, you kind of know exactly what to look for at mm-hmm. And then you have the private sheets. They're usually hard to find, because they don't write about it in other than private forums or a little select group of people. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know. But yeah, we, we learn how people cheat. And you learn how to countermeasure it. And you can figure out what's going on. And in the ideal scenario, you you wouldn't the ideal scenario for us is to get to the point. Like you can shit as much as you want. Or try to shoot the machine as you want. The server would find it immediately and say, "No, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's unreasonable." In some cases, as with movement and shooting, as I described earlier, it's hard. You need to collect time, data mm-hmm. over time to figure this out. But ideally, as another, uh, as a normal player, you wouldn't notice any cheaters. That's ideal we're striving for, and I think we're much better better at it today. But as I said, I don't want to go give too many details. The other thing that we can mention, though, which is going to be blatantly obvious to anyone trying to mm-hmm. implement a cheat, that at this time time around we have proper client protection. So Okay,
1: what is that what does that mean?
0: Normally, when you do sheets, if you're, if you're not a programmer, not a guy that's good at reverse engineering, and say, I want to sheet in computer games, and sure. it could be inane, it could be I'm playing Skyrim, and I want to just uh, like, just me, who cares? Yeah, uh, You can put the game in sheet engine, which is basically going to allow you to manipulate number of, say, med packs, for instance, mm-hmm. or um, the, the power of my swords, or whatever. I guess in Skyrim, you don't have to do that even because you're just going to mod the source files. But as yeah. an example, right? Which is fine. And uh, what what that game do is it's basically attach uh, what sheet does it attaches itself to the running process. Uh, okay. It's called a debugger. Okay. And you can edit memory. You can basically say, here's a little uh, slot of four bytes describing the number of medpacks you have. And it mm-hmm. says four. I'm going to change that to one million, Sure, yep. no problems. You can do that with uh, programs like sheet engine. What you do now is that you say, You install, uh, you you build your game with anti-client tampering. And the the product Mm -hmm. we should use is called Easy Anti-Sheet. It's a Finnish company. Uh, Nice set of guys. They're totally large. Very fun to work with Mm -hmm. because they're like totally into like how do I detect that someone <laughs> yeah. trying to tamper with a particular yeah. process. So, so this is different from the first it's, game. That's different from the first game. Yeah. And what it does basically is uh, if you ever try to attach a debugger, easy anti-sheet or whatever, uh, sorry, not easy anti-sheet, if you want to attach a debugger like uh, sheet engine to the game, the game is going kind of to detect that and turn itself off and say, no you can't do sorry. that. Sorry. And that's basically their their business case. That's what they're doing. They're trying to figure out if you're trying to mess with the memory. So it checks this the memory change in a way that it's not supposed to to change that something happened, uh, and if it takes so, we just turns the game off, and
1: mm-hmm. and we'll know about it. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's good to know. Um,
0: so that's that's one thing basically, uh, and then of course we do more on the game server too. Like right? everything we learn from the division, certain things we wanted to do in the division was not possible because the writer deemed to like too expensive or too weird or would re- require us to rewrite large systems. Mm-hmm. And when you have a live product, your somewhat cautious about like i want to change everything from today to tomorrow because you know it's going to be a lot of work and you know it's not not necessarily working and you want to have a lot of testing before you do Mm -hmm. so um but we add we add a bunch of extra measurements basically on the game server trying to measure what are people doing what's reasonable uh, try to run more fine-grained simulation on the server uh, like you know, you have your hitboxes for your characters and that kind of stuff. That simulation has been refined to be able easier for us to like figure out if someone is cheating with movement and shooting and that kind of thing. Yep. So uh, I think we're better prepared, and you also learn a little process. I mean, we're, we're talking about the technical aspect of it, but mm-hmm. if you have, if you have like anti cheat in place and it's working. You still need to process it. You need to mm-hmm. basically, every single person that has been accused to be a cheater by the software needs to be screened by someone. Mm-hmm. You just want to go in and ban every single person in the list. And I mean, suppose you're running it from day to day. And today, it's like 20 cheaters. And tomorrow, is 25 cheaters. And on Thursday, mm-hmm. it's 16 million cheaters. Like, yeah. if you have that kind of thing. Everyone <laughs> gets autom- banned I'm on one day. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. automate that thing and ban them, yeah. you're like, oh, where's everyone anyway? Yeah. It's like, why is no one playing? Yeah, yeah. Because of a bug that has identified every single possible player to be cheaters. And mm-hmm. you're like, <laughs> you, yeah. you kind of want to have some process around it and getting the process in place and everyone knowing what mm-hmm. they're doing and run it with it on a day to day basis. It, it takes time to build that organization and, like, also get my kind of like um, we have a bunch of tech people that thinks a lot about these things Mm -hmm. and you also want to make sure that the people working with these things are running the like you know sitting with all the admin interfaces and banning people back and forth kind of understands at least at the basic level what they're doing because you don't want to tell them like yes just press the red ban button on every single person here because then they basically know better than automate automating it you want people to be intelligent about it Mm -hmm. and have a, a good structure and also have like you know we need to build you need to send them an email and you need to be able the to respond, yeah. Yeah, and respond to that email when I say, I don't think I was a cheater, I was falsely accused. Like, uh,
1: please review my, my case. Yeah, customer support is going to get super <laughs> yeah. angry if 16 million people get banned in a day. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. They, they would have a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess uh, this isn't super important, but I'm just I'm kind of interested. Yeah. Did anyone try cheating in the technical alpha? Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't. I would be surprised. Um, do you expect anyone to try during the beta? I think people certainly everyone mm-hmm. try.
0: I, I think I think what would going to happen on Tech Alpha is that they tried and didn't get it to work because, as I said, it's have, early days.
1: It means. takes a little
0: longer now. Yep. That, so you have easy anti sheet on, on on this uh, thing here, mm. and you can argue that it's it's unbreakable. We know, like at least in principle. I mean, we say in principle, not practical reality, but in principle, there's no such such thing as making perfect anti sheet because. In, in, in a sense, you have a computer
1: hmm. in your
0: home. You run in the game there. You have your memory. Yep. You have, in principle, access to all this memory and can do changes to it. And at some point, even if you encrypt the entire binary and encrypt your memory, if you want to do manipulations of memory, at some point, it needs to be unencrypted and open for manipulation, because that's mm-hmm. what the, pro- the program does. Yep. Your game will do that thing. on on, all the time, it's just that it's going to do it within sets and bounds what we allow it to do, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing in principle hindering you as as a cheater to do manipulations to it as well, because if if you basically prohibited that, you wouldn't be able to run the game. So it's also, Mm -hmm. at least in principle, there's impossible to get rid of this problem. What we're hoping, of course, is that the EC anti-shit team and us are uh, one step ahead at all times. We're a little better at plugging the holes and mm-hmm. figuring out all the countermeasures a little faster than people, people figuring them out. And so we, we have a division inside uh, Ubisoft that has as a sole purpose trying to find all the, the sheets before Mm. we go live and during go live. So they are basically sitting with the game on daily basis and trying to break it and see. Okay, here's another security hole that you can plug. If you do this and this and this in all these weird weird ways, you can actually change the number of med packs to 1 million, and you wouldn't know. And we're like, oh, okay, and then we fix that.
1: How confident are you going into the Division 2 compared to the Division (sighs) 1? With what you've worked on oh
0: i don't know Uh, you think you you need to think about me as again as a problem person i'm not confident about anything just at
1: your core (laughs) about life (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, it's like it's that's not how you you don't you don't make yourself a good engineer if you just trust yourself too much Mm. you need to have a skeptical mindset because other um, in our case it's just computer games it's not a big problem right If our computer game's offline for two days, it's like, yeah, it's a big problem to a lot of players in our business, mm. but no one's going to die.
1: A bomb's not, you know, so it's not yeah. a nuclear bomb going off.
0: But somewhere. you kind of employ the same mindset when you're doing this kind of big online systems, you kind of employ the same mindset as you would if you did rockets or uh, cars with, like, you know, uh, car systems like there's a bunch of examples in the industry where you have like Toyota was uh, brought to, uh, to court at some point uh, some 10 years back or something like that because they had six incidents where people pushing the brake and the car started speeding instead yeah, and they have, that's a problem that's a problem <laughs> uh, and uh, people died mm. out of this Where two two women who died in a horrible accident it was blatantly obvious that they were on the handbrake because mm-hmm. they, they can find a car with the hand marks in it and they have like, you know, skid marks or whatever we call them, like uh, yeah, yeah. tire marks that yeah. were like 200 meters long. Yeah. And uh, uh, Toyota, like, uh, now this is wrong with this manufacturer ship and yada yada a bunch of court cases. Yeah. And it turned out the software was bugged eventually. And they went to court and had to pay a bunch of money for it. But in those situations, if, if, you, if you do that kind of software, or pacemakers, or what have you, mm-hmm. you don't want to be wrong. You want to be 100% so sure that you're, mm-hmm. you're not killing anyone. Yeah. And it makes sense to adopt the same mon- mindset to when you're doing these things. And then saying, I'm confident is just a measure of how much I have tested, basically. Mm. How much have I done prior of my homework before I went live? Yeah. Um, And there's not just like the thing of, say, cheating and a general player experience. There's a bunch of other things that also need to happen. Obviously, you need to run an infrastructure with millions of players playing at the same time and having all that working. So there's a lot of work that goes into this. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm more confident, and but it's base, uh, based on the idea that we have done it already, and mm-hmm. we know what works, and we know what we don't have to do, we know what doesn't work, and we can kind of discard a bunch. We learned a lot from the first game, obviously. Yeah. How do you run a game this size? Well, you, know, you do it like this, apparently, because it works for the first game, and then yep. we figure out those things. But I mean, there were things there that we never anticipated would mm-hmm. happen. And it was just buggy and weird, and we like sold it eventually. and. What you try to do as an engineer is like, to, OK, let's simplify the problem one further step. Okay, mm-hmm. This thing here that does x is kind of complicated. I don't really understand what it does, or so it's hard to understand what it does. And every time I look at this code, I'm like a little bit confused. OK, what is it that I want to do anyway? OK, I want to do this. OK, let's see if we can simplify it down to that. Mm-hmm. It's going to do the same thing. It's just going to be less complicated. And the reason for that is, of course, when it breaks, it's easier to analyze and say, I can read the source code, and I can say. By reading it, that this must be the case, or that must be the case, and you, you try to work with these things to make it easier for yourself to like figure out what's wrong when it goes wrong. Yeah, it, it's almost guaranteed that something is gonna go wrong. I mean, it would be super me saying, "Oh, everything is working." Like, no, I wouldn't want to pass yeah. that kind no, of judgment, obviously. But
1: it's good because uh, yeah. if if you have that mindset, then you're gonna you're gonna find those things really quickly. Yeah.
0: What you, you need to second guess yourself a lot.
1: Of course. What but. um, what are the things? I mean. If, are there any practical examples you can give of things that have changed from division one to division two that i mean i mean maybe exciting is the wrong word but like that you that you think will provide a good experience for people
0: uh, Oh,
1: practical examples are we gonna obviously oh, we talked yeah. about the anti cheat which, yeah. which i think a lot of people are going to be happy about
0: yeah, yeah. uh that is good yeah i think i think it's quite solid honestly but yeah, we will see uh, other things we have done, we have worked quite a lot on getting better latency numbers for players in general, like better uh, server latency numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that you wouldn't think, but it's true, is that our game is relatively sensitive to latency. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, you, if you're playing with our game, we, we test this in, in the studio uh, on a regular basis. And you're playing, like when we do playtests, you don't notice. But we're basically adding out 150 milliseconds of latency and 1% packet drop to our own internal playtests. Okay. Yeah, you don't notice. And that's no. the point. All right, okay. <laughs> so, your typical user, like if you're in, say, Europe, uh, United States, have good broadband. brand, you generally speaking have something between i don't know 20 and 100 milliseconds latency to your data center okay that's just what you, that's normal basically your closest data center is going to be within that range that's kind of our target uh if you're going to go much lower than that you need to start looking at things like okay it's a local area network we're playing at like you know we have our own dedicated server software running in the same building as we're playing basically yeah so you would imagine a scenario where most players are in that ballpark figure. I would say argue that they're usually a little bit lower than that, even. But just to be on the safe side, you argue that okay, then you want to have players that are in remote locations without good broadband, and they're going to experience something like you know 150, 200 milliseconds latency. They're also customers, and we wanted to work for them. So we're basically aiming towards having about 100. If you, you should be able to play the game with reasonable fidelity at about 250 milliseconds of latency, and then trying to cut on that number. You don't want to cut you can't cut on the customer's number. you can't say yeah. hey customer, you should get a better broadband that's gonna be hard <laughs> yeah. we're actually going to come install it for you because that of like it's not a package deal like that we yeah. can't do much about that. Uh, so what we're trying to do is basically cut the away latency in all the places where we can say okay we can save 10 milliseconds by doing this that's quite a lot of milliseconds we can save per player and for the guy in the bushes where had a you know some really really weird internet connection where it's low, he's just gonna s- save himself 10 milliseconds and he wouldn't notice that much of a difference anyway but for the guys who sit in big cities would have like you know more or less a direct fiber optic towards the data center in los angeles say yep. they're also going to get 10 milliseconds off mm-hmm. and they're going to get a better experience as a consequence we're kind of targeting the guys with low Bandwidth low, l- high latency. Out in the bushes, uh, imagine like the, the, the outback in Australia or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But right? those guys, we're targeting those, but it's beneficial for all. So we try to basically just save, uh, save bandwidth everywhere we can. Just make the turnaround faster, so you get less hops and less intricate things. And then we basically sit there and optimize, you know, your network stack, and you say, oh, let's uh, let's let's do it like this instead, and we can save this and that, and we have all these kind of trinkets in place. But yeah.
1: Perfect. I'm excited. What are you, what are you looking forward to most in uh, the upcoming months with the release of the division? Are you, do you get to take a break at all, or you just gonna? turn uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of this is kind of where it's starting. Yeah, right? turn on the servers and then I guess. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, then you leave there for a week or two. Yeah, Generous. and then
1: you get panic calls from people being no, <laughs> like usually people are panning.
0: They're usually right next to me. And they're like, we're yeah. usually panning it at the same time. So we uh, can't show this, of course, but we have like a, an array of big monitors on mm-hmm. all the walls. And you can see concurrency curves and alerts and all that kind of stuff. And we're sort of be red and blinking, you know something is wrong and then you go investigate it and you yeah. solve it and then you touch the next one basically. Mm-hmm. And so do you, you basically try to streamline a bug fixing organization by just mm-hmm. okay, we're live or we're doing open beta and here all the f- it's called a war room, like yeah, yeah, classical right. war room yeah. kind of style where you have in Pentagon or whatever, right? And all the generals are sitting and like figuring out what to do next. But Basically, the stream on stream of stuff coming in like this is broken. That is broken. This doesn't work the way we think it should work. Or here's like this uh, service using hundred percent CPU all the time. What's wrong with that anyway? Yeah. And like, can we fix these things? And then important part of this is having a very quick turnaround on patching the backend. You want to be in a situation where you can say, okay, I figured out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the updated binary. Go get it live now because. In, in very many cases, you don't need to patch the client. It's just a bug that makes the game server crash under certain circumstances. You know what to do to fix it. You don't have to change the client at any point. You, need to, don't, you don't need to have like a, a scheduled maintenance to fix this because the user doesn't need a new client for it. You just need a bug fix on the game server. Yeah. That's one huge benefit of having dedicated servers. If you did this in a peer mesh and you had a, a server bug, and i need to patch your 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 client f- yeah, because you're running the server on yeah. your xbox say. yeah i don't want to wait 2 weeks before that's fixed
1: no 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 one think anyone wants so
0: to wait so no no one wants to wait that. so moving a lot of the stuff to the game server allows us to also patch it very quickly mm-hmm. and generally you don't notice as a player you what you what you see is that the game server crashes you get a delta error and then the next time it wakes up it's just going to be the new version we push it out to ev- everywhere and then either we restart them in some kind of maintenance or rolling restart. We just oh, there's no players on this server, let's restart it. No player on that server, restart it. And then you kind of go around or just wait until it crashes because it would have crashed anyway. There's no different from you as a player if I turn the server off or it crashes because of a bug. So, either happens first and if it crashes just move to new worse, and the bug is fixed. And you push up. You push out 10, 15 of these every day, if you, mm-hmm. depending on what, what kind of bugs you find, run into. The analysis part is usually the things that take the longest time, right? So, you're sitting here with your code and say, hmm, what could possibly have gone wrong here? Why do I crash yep. at this line? Like, I don't know. And then you start analyzing it and you look at crash dumps. And a uh, crash dump is essentially when something crashes on the back end, you can get pretty much a copy of what the memory was. Mm. and you can load it up in your tooling and then you can start looking at it and say okay they were crashed okay cool Uh, and then you fix the bug and then you push it out and then you have uh, quite a few people working in parallel on different crashes and try to figure them out there could be other things like um, players from this region in the world can't log in like oh wonder what that is like and then you go figure it out okay really okay i see there's a, a minuscule difference in our setup for uh, those players because they're uh, the, the, the Japanese version had a something something and then you fix it and then you go on and do the next one and then you just run mm-hmm. like that for like a couple of weeks until most of the horrible things are fixed yes. and then you're basically sitting there with things that are not so horrible to players generally speaking so you kind of great i'm like is this something that players notice is this a problem for players then you fix that first if it's something that more like this could be written in a better way that say us a bunch of hosting money then that's like second yeah, we'll we, we don't care we can deal with that later
1: yeah gotta get the critical stuff first yeah well i i guess after those couple of weeks of of, of that whole process is done we should we should do this all again yeah, and, uh, certainly,
0: because then comes the title update, which is new problems.
1: <laughs> new problems, we can go through all of those. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for yeah, sure, chatting no chat I certainly, uh, I always think that I know more than I do whenever yeah. I talk to you, so this is uh, same here. <laughs> a bunch of fun. All right, well, thank you so much. Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs>